Friday nights at 9 p.m. It's time to sit back, relax, and play conspiracy bingo with Echoplex Media. We've curated the best conspiracy theorists the internet has to offer and turned it into a live bingo game you can play for free with absolutely no prizes but bragging rights. You won't find a live stream like this anywhere else, and that's probably better for everyone else's mental health. Tune in every Friday at 9 p.m. Pacific at twitch.tv slash echoplexmedia and find our full schedule at echoplexmedia.com. Gay, 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 I leave it alone and fucking flip it I'm a straight white male in America I got everything I need I'm a guy getting paid more than a girl with a degree And I can walk down the streets after dark No one wants to rape me And I can get a girl pregnant And just as easily flee like my straight white male dad did to me So if I see a penny on the ground I leave it alone and fucking flip it I'm a straight white male in America I've got all the luck I need I've got a pile of broken mirrors And I'm walking under ladders And I'm spilling tons of salt But to me that doesn't matter Cause my skin and my gender and my orientation Are the best things to have if you live in this nation I recommend it highly So if I see a penny on the ground I leave it alone and fucking flip it I'm a straight white male in America I've got all the luck I need Shit's gonna work out for me Cause I'm a straight white male in America I've got all the luck I need Welcome podcast listeners, welcome live viewers and listeners This is the Intellectual Dollar Tree We do the show live every Wednesday Is that right? Wednesday? Right here on Twitch at twitch.tv slash echoplexmedia. Show starts 7 p.m. Pacific. Usually goes pretty late. Just real quick, thanks, Hilda Beast, for the raid at the beginning of the show. If you're listening on the podcast, that doesn't make any sense to you. Don't worry about it. Um, <clears throat> HK is not here. HK is out on adventures and might not be here for a couple weeks, but he'll be back with a vengeance soon. Um, I might grab a, a co-host next week, guest co-host. I'm going to bother Marcus. Uh, it's homozygote. going to bother, see if he wants to come on. Do a little bit of anti-vax intellectual dark web stuff. So this week we've got the gay white power hour. It's the gay white power hour. That means you guessed it. Maybe you did. Maybe you didn't. It's Dave Rubin and Douglas Murray. Very, very clever. Very, very clever. Um, so let, let's sort of start with that. You know, for all the years that we've been talking about all of this stuff that now is known as wokeism, which you write about obviously, but all of the culture wars and all of the things that are happening, should we have been yelling louder, say, seven years ago when we all started talking about this, this loose group of people that were kind of signaling? Did we miss something and maybe should have been screaming louder? Or 
Was well, it going to happen no matter what? I think it was going to happen no matter what. I, I, I learned from the years I was writing about Islamism that you, you can spend 23 hours a day dealing with a subject. But if you're dealing with fanatics, they're spending... Wait, that explains everything. This guy only sleeps one hour a night. He's like, you can spend 23 hours a day dealing with something? Well, no, you can't. If you do, you turn into Douglas Murray. 24 hours a day doing it. You just can't can't win in a way against fanatics in the short term. Um, and what we've realized in recent years is that the, let's say, the woke uh, bandwagon, these people are radicals, they're extremists, they're uh, fanatics. They uh, have an extraordinary uh, set of claims and they have just managed to push them, bulldoze them right into the center of all of our lives. And as they've as that movement has sort of crept closer and closer to people, people have realized that there were no effective barricades. I mean, I say in, in the book that, you know, there was a sort of, for instance, there was a conservative idea which was mistaken, which many people, including myself, I had in recent years, which was, for instance, that things like the critical race theory, the intersectionality, all of this crap, that it would stop at the borders of the STEM subjects. It would say it would never, it would never take over engineering. It would never get into medicine. You know, that you was mean, wrong. You mean it would never tell us that two plus two equals five? Exactly. You know, yeah. Oh, this two plus two equals five shit. I fucking hate this stuff because what, what happened was there were just mathematicians that were like, hey, our methodologies in math aren't actually perfect. And here's a way you can do a mathematically sound formula where you can get the wrong answer. They weren't. They weren't doing anything other than just explaining to people that math, like any other discipline, isn't perfect and that you can use it to trick people. It was actually really interesting when a couple of mathematicians were talking about that. Now these people are trying to do it to like, oh, it's the rejection of empiricism. Get the fuck out of here. It's an assumption that, you know, okay, they'll do this with, with the liberal arts. They'll do this with political science and stuff, but they won't do it with engineering. And the joke is, you know, it was always, well, at some point the bridges have to stop. When I was in like sixth grade, I had a teacher show us how they, he could do an equation that we understood with sixth grade math that one equals two. It was cool. That stuff is cool. And then uh, I said, no, it turns out, <laughs> we'll see. It yeah. turns out they don't. Yeah. Uh, if the bridges come down now, it'll be because we live in a cis heteronormative patriarchal racist society, which has institutional racism, which is why the bridge fell down. Wait, uh, no, wait, no, that's not why the bridge fell down. What the fuck? The whole rest of that was fine. But then like, nobody's like, oh, actually racism is why the bridge fell down. I mean, it might be why the bridge fell down. Maybe racism... Maybe the bridge is in a black neighborhood and it wasn't so well tended to. You think any of the bridges in Beverly Hills be falling down anytime soon? Uh, so it's, it's just flooded across everywhere. And, um, and there's always that question of whether you could have done more or shouted more or whatever. But um, I think that a lot of people didn't realize the scope of what was coming at us. You have a line that I've quoted probably 50 times on Twitter and 50 times on my show and probably on other people's shows that I think perfectly encapsulates what's going on here, which is that one day, you said this to me probably five years ago, one day the barbarians will be at the gate and we'll be debating what gender pronouns to call them. Yeah. Wait, no, no, one, one day the barbarians, first of all, the barbarian, uh, okay, there's a lot packed into there because the barbarians at the gate i think douglas murray just means brown people immigrating there is no gate we don't live in fucking citadels anymore they're like what gate maybe they're gated community are the barbarians coming to their gated communities what are you talking about 
Does that really sum up almost exactly where we are? And that really sort of gets to the title of the book, that we really are at a societal war right now. And instead of really focusing on what's going on, we are debating trans swimmers yeah. and women with penises and the rest of the yes. stuff. Yeah, no. Okay, so first of all, on the on the sports thing I have, here's my position. I feel I will defend this position till the day I fucking die on swim on like swimming, for example. There's a sanctioning body for swimming. I'm not on the sanctioning body for swimming. I don't get a say. Boom. Done. Sorry. That's it. I am not part of the swimming sanctioning body. That's it. Is it is deranging. And obviously I wrote about what I regard as being this sort of crowd derangement in my previous book, In the Madness of Crowds. Uh, I could see already that this was, this was happening. It was getting worse and worse. People were being, in, it was, people were being demanded to say things they knew not to be true. Um, and, and now- Like I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. That was demanded of me every day when I was coming up. And I knew that not to be true when I was a kid. I was like, I don't, why would I, what? No. It's got to a stage beyond that. I always thought that that thing with, that I described in the madness of crowds was was a sort of step towards something. That you know that the say the guy with a penis is a girl, or you know you're a bigot. That and I think I may even have said it to you. That it notice how he said guy with penis, and then he said girl. Not for nothing. These people love when they to use the word girl when they should be using the word women. Um, he's talking about women, not girls. It was almost like it was preparing us for something because mm. I always maintained at the time, if you, if you assault uh, the, the basic things we know to be true, like the fact that there are boys and girls, yeah. men and women, that yeah. you're not assigned a sex at birth as if it's a sort of lottery uh, system, which if you've got a particularly bigoted delivery nurse, you know, she'll just kind of, <laughs> you know, it's not, that's not how it works. There are, yeah, yeah. There are boys and girls. And, and it, but but that if, if you persuade people that that's not true, you can do an awful lot afterwards because you've made people doubt things, the, the things they were absolutely certain about. You know, the, the, the cry now is like, well, you, you know, how do you know? I mean, are you a biologist? And as a, uh, a fine uh, British feminist. Say Wait a minute. But the biologists don't agree with you on these matters. Like the, the consensus inside of biology doesn't agree with Douglas Murray on these matters. Like, what the fuck? Like, why don't you have like a biologist? Don't you ever talk to a biologist who goes with the consensus of the field of biology on this? Instead, now he's going to go. There's a feminist. Said to somebody the other day, uh, said, "Well, I'm not a vet either, but I know what a dog is." Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, it, it, but, but, but a lot of people have been browbeaten and, and cowed, and, and and I think that uh, what I'm trying to describe here is what I think is the next stage of this, which is a war on the fundamentals of everything in our society a war on our history a war on our past a war on our foundations a war on our culture and a war on the people in the culture what i describe as a war on white people which is a phrase that a lot of people will sort of yeah. jump at but yeah. yeah because it's disgusting if you look at the history of the united states and especially britain which has a little bit longer history than us uh-uh, it's disgusting. That's why people don't like it. And that's why you make that face. And there's, there's no other way to describe it now. Lots of different bigotries exist in the world, but the only one that's completely tolerated and indeed encouraged in 21st century America 
is hatred of and diminishment of people for being white. We wouldn't tolerate it with any other skin color. We wouldn't tolerate. We're not, I'm not being. I don't understand where they where this is like. How wh- they never tell you what things are going on that are diminishing me for being white, right? I'm white. I know because I can't really dance. Um. <laughs> um. <laughs> I can DJ though. And that's pretty much the whitest thing in the world is not being able to dance and being able to DJ. But like, what is he talking about? Is he talking about stuff like that? Or is he talking about like, is he talking about like having to learn about other people's cultures, having to learn about the, some of the disgusting history of what the United States and the UK have done to people of color, not only in our own countries, but in countries all over the world, because I think it's that. And I think that's the problem they have. And I, I don't have a problem with that. I, it's, it's unsettling to some extent to learn those things, but history is interesting. Even the unsettling parts, I would say, especially the unsettling parts. People said that black people should be treated differently because of their skin color. Only white people is this now permissible with. And that's because white people are the inheritors of the West. They're portrayed as the people of the West who must therefore pay for the sins of the West. You know, it's funny, I was watching in the last couple of weeks a movie, There Will Be Blood. Did you happen oh, to see yeah. it with Daniel Day-Lewis yes. about, about the gold rush, well, not the gold rush, the oil rush, and going west in the 1800s into the 1900s. And it's, you know, it's a lot of white people doing horrible jobs, horrible jobs in the coal mines and digging and things collapsing on them and people dying and fires and all of these things. And it was making me think, boy, we, we talk about the history of this country as if these white people, first off, as if they built all of this stuff in honor of whiteness, sure. which, is, which is completely insane. insane, completely insane and not true even, even in an iota of a percent. But also that these people who happened to be white who built stuff often was very dangerous and lots of yes. men were dying in the process of it. Well, I mean, I give, I give a number of examples of this sort of. Yeah. There, are two, there are two original sins of the West that are seen now, slavery and empire. Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Are they saying that because white people died in mines or something that, that what we, as the white people in, in what is now known as the United States moved West, what we did to the indigenous people, they're like, well, it doesn't matter because a lot of white people died in a mine. Is that what they're trying to say? That, oh, uh, the oil fields were a rough place for white people to work. So, like, why are the indigenous people complaining so much? Get the fuck out of here. Everybody else in the world did them, yeah. uh, which is nonsense. There were no slaves before America, right? I mean, you, you know, almost if, if I reckon that not one in a million Americans knows the following fact that um, 11 to 12 million slaves were probably brought across the Atlantic from Africa during the slave trade, the transatlantic slave trade. Um, about 18 million Africans were similarly sold by their neighbors and others uh, in the slave trade that went east. Mm-hmm. So, so why do we not know about the 18 million slaves that went east from Africa? Because they, um, we were, uh, oh, yo, because we learn about the slavery in America during American history. We don't learn the history of every other country. We can't. It's impossible. That's why people will get a degree in like, you know, the history of pre-colonial South America. That'll be like what their specialty is as, as a historian, because every person can't possibly know the entire history of every country. We can't even know the entire history of our neighborhood.
Um, because there's no remnant of them, because the Arabs castrated all the men. Does, as I say, does one in a million Americans know that context to this, that, that slavery happened, everybody was involved in it, it was a horrible thing then, it's a horrible thing now, and it's still going on now. Um, I've met slaves myself, people who've been in, born into slavery in Africa. Uh, oh boy, imagine being someone born... Imagine meeting Douglas Murray as a fucking enslaved person or even an indentured servant in our this year of our Lord 2022. They're like, hey, we're going to have a we're going to have a, a white supremacist come talk to you. And you're like, we're going to do what? <laughs> oh, no. Could you imagine that? Oh, no. And I, I don't think anyone knows this. And so everyone's got the context, all that of sorts. And the other one, of course, is is empire. And again, these things are, these things are talked about as if no, no other, nobody else did this. Uh, you know, uh, countries across the world tried to form or did form empires. If you're going to get the sense of the British empire into context, you've got to understand that. If you want to get the history of the transatlantic slave trade into context, you've got to understand what else was going on. And as you say, that crucial thing that, that it's not like everybody in the past in the West was like living in clover. Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. during the, the latter stages of the, um, of the slave trade, the transatlantic slave trade, the average life of a, a man working in one of the mills in one of the towns in the north of England was about 37. Wow. They lived into their late 30s. People on slave plantations lived longer. Now, I'm not saying that the slave plantations were good or anything like it. Of course not. I'm just saying, like, can you honestly look at this and think that those, those white, if we must say that, men in the northern English mill towns were free? Did they actually have any, any or much agency in their lives? Did they have control of their lives? Were they, were they privileged? No. But not. they weren't enslaved. I owe my soul to the company store is a lot different than if I leave, they'll kill me. At all. And it's a grotesque thing of our time that we've decided that we've got to pretend that these people were wildly privileged as well as bigoted. Privileged, bigoted, and again, that they did it in the name of whiteness or of power when it was, they were literally just trying to survive and often had to leave families yes. to take the worst kind of jobs. So I kind of want to go through the, the chapters of the book because one thing that you do that I just think is so great in all your books, you do very few chapters which I always think is just such a clean way of writing. So you really only have four chapters in this book, and then you have some, some sub-chapters within that. But before we get to that, um, since we are at this place where the, the war seems to be here, are you surprised at all that maybe, not the punditry class that's been warning about this, but just that our institutions didn't have better defenses? Like even now, even now watching the, the colleges crumble, like there's still no defense. You know, I remember a few years ago, the University of Chicago put out a, a defense of free speech and everyone said, this is it. This right. will be the one that will defend. And I remember saying, no, this isn't going to be it. It's, you know, it'll be okay there for a little bit maybe. Or the Harper's letter where people right. sign things and everyone, well, this is the one. Yeah, yeah. And yet it has just marched and marched and marched. Are you surprised this institutions or our political leaders or something didn't have something in the Toolkit yeah, to deal with I'm, this surpri I'm surprised at the institutional failure. Yeah, I think there's a tendency um, we all have that in whatever is the thing we know about, we think that it's going to go. It may go wrong there, but it won't go wrong in that discipline. Mm -hmm. So I, I had this. I sort of thought, well, as I said earlier, surely the, the mathematicians aren't going to do this. Other ways of knowing. Yeah, 
Yeah. But you know, here we are. Uh, here we are. We've got equitable maths being taught in the US. Uh, um, I thought, I thought we surely not going to get in the medical fields. But the, some of the race hucksters uh, that I write about in this book. Uh, oh, name them, name them, name them. In fact, talk to them. The people you think you just called, you're going to, you called a bunch of people race hucksters in your book. Why don't you have them on to talk to you? If you're afraid of them because they're scary brown people, you could do it over Video Ninja. I'll charge you $1,000 an hour to help you get it set up, buddy. They flooded through the medical field. I was speaking to a, medical, a friend in the medical profession the other day, and you know, I was saying, I just can't believe it. He's like, I thought medical journals, like there was no way they would start to get into stuff about problematizing whiteness. Yet here we are. So, oh no, they're going. It's fucking. He's talking shit about science-based medicine now, like the go-to source for anybody who wants to know anything about what's going on in in medicine right now. If you see some medical shit that you think is bullshit, look that shit up on science-based medicine. It's a hundred percent who he's talking about. Probably David Gorsky, actually, because David Gorsky goes hard in the paint against these people on Twitter. I guess. I guess my question really then is more about the political institutions that. It's not like we have, well, I was about to say, it's not like we have laws that punish people based on the color of their skin, but we kind of do. And during COVID, we were prioritizing yes. in certain places, yes. COVID vaccines based on the color of skin and all that. Yes, and so, other medical procedures. And other, right, exactly. We yeah. genuinely were. So should politic, did, did something, we screw up something politically there too? I mean, or just our politicians are usually just weak, except for the guy who happens to be running this state. Well, you, you know, I think that, Politicians see a cost-benefit analysis in things. It's, it, it turns out one of the disappointments of my life has been the, I made the presumption that people in politics are interested in truth. Yeah. Uh, that's not the case. You're not 22 anymore, are no, you, it's, Douglas? It's, it's not the case. <laughs> they're interested in achieving and retaining power, and there are some good people in politics. I'm not saying that all of them are guilty of this. But um, you get this cost-benefit analysis. So is there a benefit to saying something that everyone knows to be true if the cost of it is a small but very dedicated number of people who are determined to destroy you. Mm -hmm. um, generally speaking, that chases people away. You know, and, and by the way, that's the history of fanaticism across the eras. Uh, small but very dedicated groups of fanatics can do an outsized amount of damage. Uh, by just running straight at things. Right. The original social media mob, I suppose. Yeah. And, um, and I think politicians, among others, are highly susceptible to that. They, they, they dip a toe in the water and they just, you know, have, I had no idea it was as bad as that. And they don't tread on it again. Newspaper editors and others are similar. Uh, a lot of big media companies, they, they don't want to touch that. That, 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 well, that subject's electric. No, don't do that. So, yeah, I mean, I'm disappointed, but I'm not surprised. All right, so let's, uh, let's start at the beginning. You, you, chapter one is about race, and we've already touched on some of the race stuff. No, the whole book is about race. I guess when I think about it, and when I was reading it, it's, um, we almost solved the race thing in America. Mm -hmm. We were pretty damn close. You allude to that in the book. Yeah. Like we really were pretty damn close, and now it does seem worse. May, not in my day-to-day -day life, but... It, He's like, none of this affects me. I'm rich level to societal level yes. it does seem worse what a what a sad statement it's um it's partly i believe a, a misapprehension caused by a misrepresentation of the society so uh, obviously i have to get straight into it in the race chapter the death of george floyd the summer of yep. george floyd riots um 
the if you look at the, I mean, we we were all. It's always worth reminding ourselves that in, in most countries at that point we were made to seclude ourselves. In the months before that happened, people were literally isolated and told by government to isolate. And one of the things that did to us, I believe, is that it took away our societal antennae. You know.、Um, If we meet people, if we meet strangers, friends, and everything, we sit around a dinner table or stand at a bar.、Um, you try things out, and you row about things, and you discuss things, and you josh about things, and and much more. If if you remove all of that,、um, and then something terrible happens, and a group of very dedicated people say that shows X is the case, then you know. People start to think maybe that is maybe that is the case. Now,、mm-hmm. I was in Britain when George Floyd was killed, but you know,、um, I had a moment. I've known this. I've known America all my life, and I had a slight double take moment. Like, you know, I don't think you can just kill black people in America. I'm fairly sure you can't. I know you can't.、Uh, but here were these protests saying we've got to stop the fact that. Black people walking the streets of America can at any point be killed by.、Them. So the problem with what he's saying here is, yeah, it's against the law to just for the cops to just go around killing anybody, actually, right? But that doesn't mean they don't do it and get away with it. Just because something's against the law doesn't mean the people who have the power don't get away with it. Like, there's tons of stuff that's against the law. The people that are powerful get away with all the time. Just think about any, and it's not the same. It's not the same as like a, a murder, right? And it's certainly not the same as someone in power committing a murder. But just think about a crime. That the punishment is a fine. Well, then that's only really a crime if you're not filthy rich. And that's that's not true.、Yeah. Um, but there was a moment of doubt,、uh, which is one of the reasons why police forces, in among other things, countries like my own country of birth in Britain, really didn't know what to do at the beginning of the protests. And some policemen were persuaded to take the knee to protesters because they panicked. Thought, maybe, maybe. Did they panic, or did they fucking act like a human being for a split second before they went back to violating everybody's rights? Because, like, <clears throat> there are individual cops who do not want to see other cops murdering people. It's just that the pro- the problem is that they continue to be a part of a the system that does that. Right? We don't think that every individual cop, as a person walking this earth. Is a racist who supports murdering people on the street. It's just that if they don't quit their job, they kind of lend it tacit support by not trying to fight against it. Representation that we've been shown is true. If you look at the opinion data that we have on how many black people Americans believe are killed every year unarmed by armed American police officers, the figures are out by several orders of magnitude. Um, I've got the percentages in there. The, the,、um, among among people who describe themselves as very liberal,、uh, significant proportion of them think that more than ten thousand black men are killed every year by.、Men. I want to see where did you? Who says that? Who thinks that? Get where did you hear that? Nobody thinks that. I think he's just lying. I don't know. I've never seen anybody say that ten thousand unarmed black men are killed by the police every year. Never heard him say that. Never heard anyone say that. I've only. I think this is the first time I've heard that number. I'm like positive that he's like I don't know some person on Twitter hit the hit the zero too many times when they were arguing with Douglas Murray or something.
I don't know. No, I don't think anybody thinks it's 10,000. American police when those men are unarmed. It's some, the, the real number, I don't, yeah, I'm not going to. It's somewhere it's, around 10. Yeah, it's about a dozen, yeah. Uh, which is, Wait, no, it's not 10. Less than the number of policemen killed by armed black men, so there's another. Wait, where did there. the 10 number like, come from? Yes, I mean, it's, so it's off by several orders of magnitude. People who describe themselves as liberal uh, think that it's somewhere between 1,000 and 10,000. So you're dealing with a completely grotesque, distorted picture of the present that people in America and then around the world have been persuaded to fall for. And that has consequences. Um, because if you're told that this is the case and that you live in a society this racist, then you bring up white people to believe that they are somehow contaminated from birth. You bring up young black kids to believe that they are able to be hunted down and killed in America by the state you massively exacerbate all racial differences. But I just want to know, like, like when he says some people believe this, people get mad as fuck at me on Twitter. <clears throat> Y'all that follow me have probably seen it, but you haven't seen my DMs of people coming at me being like, you shouldn't be that mean about that person. But you know what I do when I say somebody said something stupid and that they can go fuck themselves? I say their name. So you know who I think that about. This motherfucker here is like, oh, people think this crazy thing. It's like, well, who? Just one person who thinks that would be fine. And if it's like, you know, if it's like lefty left bunch of numbers and it's like, well, I don't know. Fallen into has been this, not just what I described as war on white people, but this, this set of massive overreach claims about what is underneath this, you know. Well, we've always been like this, mm -hmm. you know. And so we have the well, No, we actually, you know what? We used to be worse. It's not, <laughs> like, we used to be worse. There used to be slavery in this country. Then after that, there, after that, we had Jim Crow and shit. We used to be worse doesn't mean we shouldn't be better next week, tomorrow, or next year. Like this, oh, th th we've always been like this? No, actually, we've probably been worse be in the past. And hopefully we continue the slow march of progress. I would just like to see that the, the, the march pick up the pace a little bit, if possible. History in the name of racial justice and social justice. In America, you have the 1619 Project. No small thing. It's the New York Times that rolls that out, uh, led by non-historian, non-specialists who make totally verifiably false claims about the foundations of this country. Um, but you see the same thing in the UK, in Canada. Um, a lot of people will have missed it, but around the same time, in the last couple of years, there's been this stampede in Canada when there were some graves that were found near a church school. And then it was claimed that this, these were mass graves of oh. children, indigenous yeah. children killed by the Catholic Church in massive numbers. And churches were burnt down across Canada, including First Nations churches. Mm -hmm. Not one body has been found. Wait, what do you mean not one body has been found? He's lying. They're, they found the fucking mass graves, dude. He's just lying now. And did they burn down churches in Canada? And if a church was burned down in Canada, we know who burned it down and why. Because you got a history of burning down uh, religious institutions, at least here in America. They got a history of burning down black churches and fucking Jewish, syn uh, Jewish synagogues and shit.
you know, the people who tend to agree with Mr. Uh, Mr. Murray here, the ones doing the, 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 the lighty light on fire, the churchy church. It's not. Oh. One excavation has occurred. They didn't even use ultrasound. So we, we, we have been embedding totally false claims about our collective pasts in the names of trying to refine the present. What do you make of the way it spreads, that, that falsehood and how it spreads? So you go into the numbers about what's going on with policing in America, but there were BLM riots in London, as yeah. you mentioned. That were there riots in London? Because I, I bet London's a pretty old city and they seen some shit in London. I bet there have been some fucking riots in London like you wouldn't imagine. Maybe some of which weren't even really captured by the hist those who record history because they happened so long ago. I wonder how many times the, pe the people of London themselves have burned down the whole fucking city. I bet it probably isn't zero, you know? The way it now spreads through the internet to then land on the shores overseas for a problem that nobody, if you would have asked the average person, right. I suspect if you asked the average black person in London four years ago, do you have a real problem with policing here? I'm gonna guess that the average person would have said no, maybe somebody had some margin. Well, wait a minute, what do you mean the average black person, Dave? What does the average black person mean? What do you, do you, you mean you just stop one? You're like, ah, oh, you look like an average black guy. Is there a police problem in London? And he's like, hip, hip, cheerio, sir. I'm on my way to my Mercedes Benz. It's brand new. And no, I don't think there's a problem with policing here in London. I work in the financial district. Like, what do you mean the average black person in London, Dave? That's why we uh, fucking conduct polling. That's why we ask more than just what we believe to be the average person on the street or whatever. That's why person on the street interviews are stupid. But what do you, what do you make of that? That that transfer? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, th there was a, a head of um, BLM movement in Oxford uh, um, called Sasha Johnson. I'll be careful what I say about her because I believe she's still in hospital. Sasha Johnson wrote a tweet as a head of read led some very unpleasant protests, uh, said horrible things about white people, said on social media that she wanted to make white people her slaves, that that was the plan. She said she didn't want equality, she wanted revenge. Um, by the way, it's she- It's nice when they're honest about it. She though. was completely honest about it. I say I'm being careful about it because she's a mother and she uh, was at a house party in London uh, last year and she was shot in the head. And immediately some politicians, including the black former shadow Home Secretary, said uh, it's appalling that this poor young woman has been gunned down for her beliefs. She was gunned down by a gang of black young men uh, who were shooting at a house party she was at. So again, we have these kind of just totally false narratives. You import the BLM thing to Oxford yeah. in England. Imagine that people at Oxford would think that black lives matter. My pocket watch is older than their grandfather. And then you have this horrible radical, and then something terrible happens. And all of it, all of it is spun through the thing of... So wait a minute, stochastic terrorism is only real when... It's somebody supposedly at Oxford saying something froggy on Twitter, and then there's a a shooting at a house party and that's like stochastic terrorism is real then i guess but all the other instances especially here in the united states where like the tucker carlson white power hour uh talks some talks some weird shit about replacement theory you got dave rubin talking to stefan molyneux all the time you got you got the whole idw platforming um murray here 
uh, talking about the white replacement theory and but that none of that no no that that can't possibly be a stochastic terrorism it's just this one incident in london oxford white racism uh, let's do a little sidebar for a moment because just as you spun that story together and all the lies and everything else um over the last couple of years are you to me, if someone managed to stay roughly sane, like they're good in my book, that, that's been my like basic temperature guide on this thing. You didn't have to get everything right, none of us did. But if you sort of say roughly sane, do you sympathize with the people that really lost it over the last couple of years because of exactly what you just explained right there? They're, they're acting like, and I don't know if they're talking about me or whatever, but they're acting like people who are lefties, people who are uh, anti-racist, that we all of a sudden just got this way. That we, this wasn't our predisposition, that we didn't, uh, that there wasn't a large contingency of society who was aware of these problems before. They think that it all just popped up out of nowhere. Probably because they, probably because they started saying dumb shit and people started making fun of them. There is such a cacophony of nonsense being spun at all of us all the time. It's it's extremely difficult, and people don't have the time to siphon through all yeah, the craziness. I do, un I do understand, um, and I, I have to, as it were, check my privilege in a certain way. <laughs> my privilege is that I'm a writer. And, uh, I get your privilege probably. This guy, I mean, yo, this guy, very posh, very very posh. I bet. I bet his family, his family's old money. Say what I think um, all the time. Um, ah, but that's not just the privilege. It's also you. You do put your neck out there. I mean, it's not you know. It's a privilege yeah. to a degree, but you say you know, sure. dangerous things. Um, or... But I mean, but I say it because I think that therefore, sort of, my own attitude is a bit different to some other people because I think what is worst for people is when they see lies. And they just have no outlet for it. Yeah. They just, I think there is enormous frustration brewing everywhere. You know, we've been through a couple of really difficult years. So I do have sympathy with it. Um, my sympathy for that is not endless. You know, I don't have sympathy for the people who've, who now believe that absolutely everything is a conspiracy, you know, and, and, and believe that they've seen through everything. And, yeah. And all. I, I, I've, I've not. But you believe that about race. Because, I mean, you. It's not just that you, it's not that you have to, you should find things to trust in. You, you can't be completely cynical. You should find things that you know to be true and hold on to them. Right. If you're the one guy who knows what's going on, you probably have an issue. I, I, I worry there's a lot of that. There's yeah. a lot of um, autodidacticism, really. Like, um, you know, we inevitably, we educate ourselves in our area a lot, but I am... But like, hold on, some of your buddies, like the Weinsteins, especially Eric, claim to be autodidact, where they are the ones who taught themselves these things, because the, the mainstream academia would not teach them the things they needed to know. Brett Weinstein is a great example of this. He claims basically to be a virologist and an ep 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 epidemiologist, even though he's a failed biology professor. So some of your buddies claim to be autodidacts, but I guess that's different because they your buddies. from being, you know, experts on Afghanistan to experts on uh, vaccines to experts on Ukraine to experts on... I, 
Everyone's an expert in Ukraine right now. They're, they're amazing. Every, these people who couldn't tie their shoes together. Yeah. And suddenly, every, people, most people can tie their. Well, tying your shoes together is bad, yeah. Dave. And, and it's like, hold, hold my, you know, hold my shoes. I've, I've got to go back to analyzing Afghanistan next week if anything kicks off there. <laughs> I bet he's got analysis of Afghanistan that we could find. I, I think in a way this is because politics has become a kind of hobby. It's more than a hobby. Uh, a hobby and then something more for a lot of people. It's, it's carrying an awful lot of weight. Yeah. So we go from like the, the way it travels and it jumps across ponds and then odd things are happening in England. But what about the way it also shifts? So we had two years of everything was about race. But right now, as we sit here, everything's about gender. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk more about that in a second. But they're like, oh, actually, you know what? We're not done here. We just shit on people because of their race. Now we're going to shit on people because of their gender identity. Um, because we, uh, gay people, especially uh, white gay people with money, are now seen by society as, or by a lot of right-wingers, as kind of okay, sort of. So we're going to pull up that ladder behind us so that the people who present a little bit differently, maybe, maybe just black gay men any of those people we're going to pull that ladder up behind us because we don't need the ladder anymore the thing that it it seems to be guided in a way that that doesn't seem totally coincidental to me that the way it actually shifts like we're not doing race that much in america right this moment it really does seem to be more about gender race will come back and then gender will come back and then climate will come yeah, and, yeah. and everything else um, by the way i mean that's sort of, climate is another one i mean the um you know, I listed this recently in a piece, you know, before the, the Ukraine crisis, we had the COVID crisis. And I mean, literally, Dr. Fauci disappeared the moment that the Russian tanks rolled yeah, into Ukraine. It was Ukraine. incredible. They couldn't find him. Um, uh, and then before that, we had the, what did we have before the, the Corona crisis? Well, we had the racist crisis. We had the Trump crisis. We had the Brexit crisis. Oh, we had the climate crisis. I like everything. But all those things still exist. Everything cannot be. I mean, you, you can't live at that level of hectoring and uh of all of those one of the ones i have the the least time for is 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 the other people who shout about the climate crisis there are things that are important to address but when they present it as as they did at the recent summit in glasgow one minute left to save the planet i think you're 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 doing something it's a metaphor you're a fucking you're you are you right for a living you should understand what a metaphor means you should understand the metaphor that there's like one minute left on the clock. It literally doesn't mean the whole shit's going to catch fire in a minute. It's a fucking metaphor. The same as like the doomsday clock during the Cold War. That shit was a metaphor too. Pretty wicked now because you're, you're making assertions and whipping people up into fervors that are not able to be answered. I mean, AOC told us we got 12 years left. That was about three years ago. We're running I out mean, of time, man. You know, Prince Charles said 12 years. A lot of people think we're at the point of no return on climate. So we're going to be okay? Is that what you're telling me? But that is one. It's, that, in some ways, do you feel like that's the hardest one to talk about? I mean, look, you, you spent years talking about Islamism and jihad. That was obviously very hard to talk about. Uh, right, but, but then, but like, all the things he predicted never happened. Shifted. We can talk about race. We can talk about gender. But there's something about the climate one where it's like you feel like your whole career could just go like that if, if you talk about it. Uh could do. I mean, it's not something I do very much on, but I, I, I just note that, the, that it seems to be one of the fallback things if other crises are not high and hot enough. Mm -hmm. It's not a fallback. It's just always there. 
and it's and again, I'm, I'm not saying that there aren't things to address, but just that the, the the way in which this is sold to the public seems to me highly um, deranging. I mean, you're telling you're, you're telling kids that, that they might not make adulthood, and that's that's a terrible thing to to do. Uh, and you would only do it if you were 100% certain that was the case, and they're not. Well, they would tell you they are, but they're really. If they were, they would actually be doing something yeah. else. <laughs> exactly, exactly. They'd be like living as people do when they think the plane's about to crash. Let's, uh, let's shift to China a mm. little bit because it seems like everything in the world is sort of being driven by China. Um, and yet I don't sense that we have as many China experts at the moment as we have Ukraine experts. <laughs> Will they shift soon? They'll, they'll be you, shifting. Do you sense they're making yeah, the move to they'll shift? They'll absolutely yeah. be shifting. Where, where, what's the basic way we should frame a, a China conversation? Well, I'm as you know, I do an interview on this because I say, um, you know, what's the rest of the world doing whilst we're doing this to ourselves? Because if, if you go to Beijing and you look back at us, I, I, I often find that my books come from looking back at my society from another place. And somebody said to me recently, well, how would you define the West? And I was like, well, one thing is you know what it is when you're not in it. <laughs> uh, like when you're in Beijing, you know you're not in the West. If you're in Tokyo, you know you're not in the West. Um, and what I, one of the things I say is like, if you look at what we're doing from places like China or Moscow, it, it, it does look very strange and you would get an odd picture of us so among other things, I say, well, what are the Chinese doing whilst we're mm -hmm. obsessing about social justice? What are the Russians doing whilst we're obsessing about these things? Um, and the China thing in particular is just fascinating because there's, there's no scenario in which Russia would overtake America in global leadership terms. It is perfectly possible that within our lifetimes we could see China become the dominant economy in the world. In fact, as Elon Musk and others have shown, you don't... China only has to sort of grow at the... You, you might even be at the late pass stage. Late mm -hmm. ...to eventually get there. And, um, and, and I think this is one of the things we should just be thinking about. It's some of the context we have to have in our minds is, um, you know, let's say, even if we in America, we in Britain, we in the West, managed to make every single field of expertise exactly, uh, you know, dominated in America by, well, represented in America by 13% uh, black people, you know, 50% or just over 50% of women, uh, 0. Point whatever percent of trans people. Even if we did all of that, does America beat China? At what? Now, that Even was, if we did all of those lofty that things. That would strike yeah. me as being a really important question to sort out. And yeah. I find people in America. Anybody, so podcast listeners. He just did a pretty racist meme by saying 13% of black people, 50% of women. I hope uh, if, you're, if you're familiar with far right um, memes, you know uh, what this guy just did. People willing to think about it. But that would be the underlying thing is that whilst we were doing all of these strange things to our past and our present, the only global competitor which has no problem with racism is currently operating concentration camps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I cite some, I mean, just terrifically awful racist things that modern China and the founders of modern China have said and done. 
And again, I don't think one in a million Americans knows this. Um, I don't think one in a million British people knows it. And I just, this is, this is the context we need to operate in. Do we have any of the defenses to, to stop the encroachment of China or stop that they will be the superpower? And, you know, even just in, in the last couple of days, uh, Joe Biden said there's a new world order coming and something to the effect of maybe we'll be in charge of it. I, I've said for many years, you know, if you, if you didn't like the era of so-called American hegemony, you're going to love the Chinese <laughs> era. I have a human rights complaint, you'll tell the CCP. Yeah, they'll love that. Right, but if China is like, one, is like uh, a dominant player on the world stage and I'm sitting here in California and I have a human rights complaint, I don't actually lodge it with the CCP. Yeah, How they have, they have special rooms for people like us, I assume. Please step this way. Is you that, know, I mean, it's, and it, it's, it's really, it feels horribly late empire what we're doing. So how do we reverse course on this? Or let's say there was, if, if you were advising Biden or there was a new administration, I know it's not just a political answer, I know that. But if you were guiding some sort of philosophy that was gonna push back on some of this, what, what would you well, do? One thing is you've got to stop elite capture, which has definitely happened in all of our countries. I, I list some of the examples of it. Really worrying high profile examples in Britain, America, Australia, New Zealand, Canada. Um, where um, people in our political elites have been bought up by China. And um, maybe in the future we will treat those people as we are currently treating Russian oligarchs, finally, mm -hmm. who looted their country and then moved to the West. And with Wait, the what? Gotten gains. Maybe there will come a time when we actually treat the people who, who helped China arrive at this point from the West Oh, that. do you mean every company that makes every product I'm using right now to per, to put this stream out? <clears throat> every company that makes every microphone you've ever talked into? Every company that you makes every compute device you've ever used to say racist shit on Twitter? The fucking company that made the laptop that you type your racist diatribe blog posts on? Do you mean all those people, Mr. Murray? Is that, is that, are you just talking about that? Like everybody who like in, like has items made in China? Cause there's a lot of fucking, a lot of leaders of industry. Your buddy, Eric Weinstein would be on that chopping block. Cause he helped fund a lot of those companies worked for Teal Capital. Kind of, um, retribution, but that would be a start. It would also be a start to address how business is going to address this. Because as we know constantly, businesses that have been born in countries like America and have free market principles completely adapt those principles in order to dominate in the mm -hmm. Chinese market. Should Americans and others in the West have an attitude towards this in the products we buy, in the products we engage with? I think so. This, well, you know what, buddy? That bell got rung like fucking 30 years ago. It got rung so long ago that the bell doesn't even exist anymore, right? You can't even get a recording of it. If it was on a reel-to-reel -reel tape, the reel-to-reel -reel tape has disintegrated. If there was a picture of it on a, like a VHS tape or like film, somebody did it on Super 8, the film is barely usable anymore. It's, this happened such a long time ago. 
Well, it's funny. Now you hear Biden saying, oh, we should buy more American or we should make more American things here. It sort of sounds like something that that orange guy was kind of saying for a while. It was the sort of thing which... But it's just a platitude that everyone says. It's not a thing. It's not like a new thing. Every fucking president says, oh, we should probably make more things in America. It's like an easy thing to say when you're running for president. I'd fucking say that shit too if I was running for president. And I know that fuck, I know that shit was false. But I'd have to say it because the other person running would have to be saying it. Y'all got to say it. Everybody's got to say it. Say it together. Buy American and Americans work. Like, come on. Come on. That uh, you would have definitely been accused of jingoism. Yeah, of course. Before, of course. Right, right. I mean, um, uh, all of us, I mean, from the corona era as well, have had this sort of supply chain issue suddenly come back. Like, turns out energy independence is quite useful. Quite useful to be able to not rely on China for all sorts of things from medical products. But you just said energy independence. <clears throat> I think China is a net importer of energy, not a net exporter. All the way through to energy. Same with Russia. You know that the the two COVID tests, remember Biden sent two COVID tests to every American during the State of the Union? Yeah. You, you know that they're made in China. Made in China. I have, I have, yo, every, I yo, again, the bell rang 30 years ago. It seems to be some unbelievably dark, <laughs> grand joke. Maybe 40 years ago. It's like if a fiction writer was oh, yeah. writing it, you'd be like, it's too on point. No, come on. Yeah, you see, yeah, yeah. it's a novel, but don't, yeah. Yeah. don't stretch our credulity. I think the last new thing made in America was Scientology. I know we've made cars and shit, but we'd always made cars. Like the last like brand new ass thing that America bestowed upon the world was probably Scientology. Is there anything else we can do? I guess know a little more, or is it really also that it's just like when you when the average person maybe is thinking about China's encroaching on the West and the, mm. and our hegemony and all of it's going to collapse and and you'll realize how good you had it, but it's too late. It's like that isn't as emotionally abrasive as just like oh let's tear down a statue or America's racist something like that. It's yeah. so much to think about truly that this country all the world away could really be trying to upend the world that we just totally take for granted. I think no, it's like any other nation. It'll take power where it can get it just by virtue of being a nation state. That's why some anarchists are against the nation state because the nation state by its very nature throughout the course of history has always sought power. That's it. The United States, China, Great Britain, Germany. Oh, Germany has a bad history with that, but it's not like everybody else's history on seeking power is squeaky clean. The nation state's going to do that. China's a nation state. Why wouldn't they do the same fucking thing that, that we're doing. The most important thing is that we get ourselves into context. I mean, historically, we'll come on to that, but I mean, historically, but also in the present. I mean, again, if people in America leave America and go to certain places in the world, like China, like the Far East, the Middle East, you know, you'll see that questions you tear yourselves up over here for right or wrong, do not bother or detain these societies. And, uh, that should be salutary, you know. You go into uh, reparations yeah. in a portion of this. That's, uh... Does Doug Murray think Doug Murray deserves reparations? I think, I think, I think that's what he's going to say. You described yourself as privileged because you're an author, but, you know, there will be a cost for talking about reparations, mm. my friend. Well, I do reparations after uh, the history chapter yeah. where I describe how 
Yeah, we've been sort of the war on the war on history, the war on our history in the West is just it just has to stop. It has to be put into proper context. I'm all for the debate, by the way. I mean, what debate? Sort of uh, a, a debate on empire going on again, a new debate on slavery. But all of it is as if we haven't had these debates before, mm-hmm. as if we've never thought about them before. Like and, what debate? Uh, yeah, nobody's fucking debating what happened in history. Nobody right now, there aren't two history professors, two crotchety old history professors getting drunk and yelling at each other about some shit I've never heard of right now in a university. That's not happening. Or they might be at the bar by the university. Or it might be two history students uh, fucking in a heated discussion about uh, a war in the 1700s. Yeah, nobody's ever debating history. None of this is happening ever at all. We just need to have the debate. I think what he means when he says that we need to have the debate is he means that people need to listen to him, no matter how discredited what he's saying might be. That's what like have the debate means. It's the same thing as, oh, let's teach the the controversy about um, uh, just evolution by natural selection. They always go back to this. This is like the when they're on their back foot and they're losing. They're like, well, let's just do the controversy now. Let's just have the debate. And it's like, well, we already had a lot of these debates and people are actively debating these things right now too, but they're doing it at a university and maybe not at a university. People are talking about the, what, what happened in history and disagreeing about history all the time. They're just not doing it in a way that he likes. And maybe they're not coming to the conclusions that he wants. It doesn't mean we're not having the debate. It just maybe means that the people doing it seriously have left your weird ass out, Douglas. Uh, and so, yes, one of the questions that's now coming up again is reparations. Um, Britain, by the way, paid significant reparations when the slave trade ended. Um, in fact, there's evidence, I analyze and explain it in the book, uh, that Britain actually paid more to abolish the slave trade than it ever gained hmm. through the slave trade. That, course, I, fucking, I fucking doubt that that... You, you can decide what is a net gain and what is a net loss sort of arbitrarily when you go to try to figure that out, right? Because how else do you do that? And I'm not saying it's bad to go through and try to like just make judgment calls on what things were a net good and what things were a net bad. But you could go through and do that in a very dishonest way where you're trying to make sure you get a, you know, a certain, you know, a certain result. Abolish the slave trade. Um, also policed the abolition of the slave trade across the high seas in the 19th century. Thousands of British sailors lost their lives in those operations, stopping the Brazilians, for instance, who continued their slave trade into the 1880s, Um, stopping the Brazilians and others from trafficking people across the the globe. But also Britain paid the money in in, in effectively reparations to those who'd lost money. Uh, They... um, uh, uh, all, all British people paid a cost throughout the 19th century in an upsurge of pricing of goods because if you got rid of buying goods from places that were producing them from slavery, then, you, then of course you were paying more. So there's a lot of evidence Wait, that what? Britain, as it were, already paid down its, its gain from the slave trade. Well, again, not one in a million people knows that. Yeah. But and wait, so, but not one in a million people bullshit. I, I've heard this before, but this like sort of, it just takes away the humanity of the people who were the slaves. 
I'm not sure that the problem is one of accounting, right? The problem isn't an accounting problem. <laughs> the problem is the descendants of people who lived in abject slavery and had no rights live in your country and the that still rings out in the street. And that's like what people are talking about. Nobody cares like if the bean counters had to pay extra money because they did a whoopsie and did a slavery. Get the fuck out of here. Now when people say you need to pay reparations for what you did in the 18th century, I think, well, that's interesting. Same thing in this country. In the Except United it was the 19th century here. And at no point did the country already pay significant reparations. States, people talk as if as if this country didn't fight a damn civil war over the issue, you know? Wait, but that's bad, not good. Right? Like, he's like, oh, you had a civil war. People died. More people died. Now it's okay. It's like, oh, my God. Um, and I think, I think I, I, a number of times in the book I use um, a couple of fantastic quotes of, of Nietzsche from, on the genealogy of morals. And one of his analogies, which I lift, is he talks of people who, who, who pick at long-closed wounds and pick off the scabs and then scream about how much they've been hurt. This is horribly pertinent. I think that's what we need. Wasn't Nietzsche like a philosopher um, and we, we have to know what Nietzsche was talking about? I'm not into philosophy. It's, I'm sure, whatever. People can be into philosophy and be interesting. But honestly, if I'm at a dinner party, somebody tells me, Oh, I'm into philosophy. I'm like, oh shit, I got to find somebody else to talk to. Now, if you're talking to them for five or 10 minutes and then you find out they have a philosophy degree, that's a different story. But if somebody leaves with, I'm in, into philosophy and you're at the cocktail party, dinner party, somebody's birthday party, you're at the bar, you're like, oh, look at the time. Just get away from that person. With people today who are demanding money for things they didn't suffer and demanding money from people who did no wrong. And it's got so much worse in this. But the problem is like as a like on the macro level, black people do suffer. Look at the net worth of the average black family. Look at the net worth of the average black family where the breadwinner is a college graduate versus the average net worth of a of a white family where the breadwinner is a high school graduate. Do you know what I'm saying? Like some of these things are like glaringly obvious because even when you add certain metrics that you'd think would tip the scale, they just don't. Because intergenerational wealth is a big fucking deal. And Douglas Murray, if you could take a step back, maybe take a, take a look in, a, in a, a mirror that actually shows him himself, he would have to understand that his position in the world is at least in part a function of intergenerational wealth. Previous attempts or claims for, for reparations were different. But by the time you get into the current decade and uh, Tanahasi Coates basically starts off this latest round uh, with a piece in the Atlantic. But, but by the time... Tanahasi Coates would fucking love to talk to you, but you won't talk to him. The last Democrat primaries, all the Democrats were talking about mm -hmm. reparations, seriously talking about how to do reparations. One of the first things that Joe Biden did when he got into office 
was to was to launch an, an investigation into whether you know how, whether and how this country could get into this question. Even though Barack Obama virtually never talked about it just four years before, right? And was black and because put it to bed was be, not called a, sol- a sellout because of it. Right? Because Wait a minute, this, uh, new the black the guy the black guy can't talk about reparations. <laughs> like that's the fucking thing. Like. Yeah, the black president probably shouldn't be the one to bring it. It's fucked up. I don't like that this is the case, right? But it shouldn't be the first black president going in there and talking about reparations. I'm not saying that's good. That's fucked up that it's the case. But like just the way everything works and just the way our country's politics are and have been like all of my life, essentially. Yeah, the first black president probably shouldn't be in there talking about reparations probably be the oldest most boring white guy in the world actually and here we are generation has been persuaded to open a wound that they didn't suffer from and scream about how much they've suffered and um you know there's actually and this is why i do the sub chapter on, on reparations is that there's a deep moral question within this which is at this stage it's, it's people who look like people to whom wrong things were done in the past demanding money from people. again this guy it's just the like all the way up into the eighties or some shit, there was still redlining where black folks couldn't move to certain neighborhoods. And then after the eighties, there was still uh real estate agencies. They were doing the redlining now. You know what I'm saying? You know, a little real estate agency cabal in a neighborhood. And I don't use the word cabal very often for obvious reasons. You get a little real, real estate agency cabal in a certain neighborhood. None of them want to show any black people houses in that neighborhood. Now you have uh, now you have de facto redlining, even though it's not policy prescription. So like this is all bullshit. This just like detaches. They're detaching human beings essentially from the discussion. They're like removing every person, every human being, every family from this discussion. It's very, very dishonest look like people who could have done the wrong things um if you want to and the other thing is like it's not like it's not like robbing from me to do reparations i'm not i'm not the capital class that money needs to come from the capital class that money needs to come from people who either made billions in real estate companies that made hundreds of billions on basically real estate honestly it should become mostly from real estate tycoons i think that's where the reparations should come from oh and the people who run the private prisons too you have to basically do a genetic database Mm -hmm. of the american population what do you do by i mean this is one of the many oh no problems is i don't believe that anyone living has the right to (coughs) be forgiven and no one living has the right to forgive Mm. they don't have the right and i explain why in, in in the book that simply in moral terms, you do not have the right to apologize for something you did not do, and nobody else has a right to accept an apology if the wrong was not done to them. Wait, what? So we're in this set of demands that are being made, which I'm afraid must be dismissed um, carefully, um, sensitively at times, and insensitively at others. But uh, it's, it's, it's not going to work, and this idea has to be put to bed because we are now dealing with historic retribution, not just reparations, but historic retribution. Do you think that it's also designed to intentionally inflame racial tensions? Oh, yeah, of course. So if you said to a second-generation 
Mexican immigrant, legal Mexican immigrant in the United States who busted their butt, came here. Mm. Now, you know, they're a parent now and now they have young kids and they had nothing to do with slavery, came here, don't have that much, but are working hard for the American mm -hmm. dream. Or if you took my family that I'm fourth generation American, but you know, Holocaust survivors on both sides of mm. my family all came here with nothing. They had nothing to do with right. slavery. That you would, and then suddenly you were saying to people, but you have to give money to this thing. Right. Even though- But like, it's, it, it, come on, this is like, it's not gonna be like individuals. I don't know, I got, I got fucking 50 bucks on it. If, if everybody up and down, everybody else up and down that fucking ladder gives uh, in proportion to that, I think we can do a lot of good. Whose ancestors act like really yeah. are we going to really be able to track this correctly that you're going to end up causing people to be racist of course I mean, of course you would of course you would and it, it, it's dire everywhere you look at it i mean here's another one what do you do with the black people descended from black people who sold their brothers and sisters the, so they, the system doesn't give a fuck about that the system that created the inequality that we're trying to fix here don't give a fuck about that they're still redlined out of the good neighborhood or their kids were their fucking grandkids or whatever was still redlined out of the good neighborhood. They pay out. I mean, Voltaire said this centuries ago. Voltaire said the only thing even worse than what the Europeans were doing in, in selling um, black Africans and trading them across the Atlantic were the Africans who sold their brothers. Right, but that was bad uh, too. But, to but like the people, like the people whose kids engaged in that slave trade they come to america they're st still treated as black their their descendants are going to still have the same <clears throat> socioeconomic prospectus based on like their parents money or whatever come on the people who descended from the people who did that i mean some of the few memoirs of slaves we have like equiano describe how their neighbors in a neighboring village in africa just came and stole them in the night is there any reparation for that are we going to give reparations to the millions of black people who probably don't want it or the, the immigrants from Senegal who have thrived or right. several other countries, Caribbean countries who come here and thrive? It's, it's so obviously not possible that it's purely designed to open a wound and to claim, and to claim superiority for, for, for yourself. Do you think it's also intentionally um, counter to the way humans operate, meaning that let's say, let's say we had this grand program of reparations and let's say all the experts got together and Tanisi Coates and all of the, everyone on MSNBC. I don't think Ta-Nehisi Coates would necessarily be one of the experts. Panel of experts. And all the people they, who aren't willing to send, who aren't willing to show their voter ID at the booth yeah, are oh, willing to hand over their DNA. That's another good one, right? Because you're, you don't have to show your ID to vote, but somehow you're gonna have to show some sort of ID for related to this. Oh no, oh no, 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 no. This is going somewhere fucking ugly. Dave might be, Dave is real, Dave Rubin's real dumb. He may not know to put the brakes on this. Fucking Sam Harris would know right now to put the brakes on whatever the fuck this is, right? The great panel of all time, they get every socialist and communist on there and race expert on there, and they come up with the number. Mm. They come up with the number that each black person in America should get. And let's just come, let's come up with an insane $250,000 per person, right? It's insane. We're gonna we're gonna figure out how to fund it. I know we have no money, but let's say they do the exact perfect thing that they purport to want to do. do. Do you think they also don't fundamentally understand just human nature, which is that the progressives of 20 years from now will say, "Look what our 
the, and sure. the progressives before us did. They sold us out for yeah, yeah, 250 yeah. grand. And, and it won't solve anything. No, no. Dave's going with him. David's go, Dave's not putting the brakes on this at all. He's like, well, let's go there. Uh, there's a very funny skit you've probably seen Dave Chappelle do on what would happen if. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, but exactly. you, oh, no. Which, which are brands to get shares in before that money was doled out. Um, it's a non-starter, but it's designed to be divisive. And he, he, here's one of the problems that comes from that, which is that it's so demeaning of our history in the West. It's so demeaning. Racism and colonialism and slavery were part of the story of the West as they have been the part of the story of all societies throughout human history and in many societies today. But they are not the history of the West. They are part of the history. They are not the history of the West. And that has been totally misrepresented in our day, as if these sins were the only thing that defined us, whereas actually what defined the West was that these were things we recognized to be sins. Modern China doesn't recognize that, and many other nations and countries and societies around the world don't recognize that. Speaking of the history, let's shift to religion. Mm. Oh no. This is one, as you know, I've definitely come around on, on yeah, Dave Rubin's not an atheist. He's like a fucking why I left the atheism, why I left the woke atheist left God. At least very different than where I was say five or six yeah. years ago. I mean, I'm different on religion than Something I was five or six years ago too. Just the liberalism that we love to keep this, this ship going. Talk to me a little bit about religion. Would you Douglas Murray? Well, um, I explained that you basically you can't you can't take down the West unless you take down the religious element of it, specifically the Judeo-Christian tradition. What's worrying at the moment is that there is a simultaneous assault on the two traditions of the West, both the philosophical tradition, including the secular tradition, and the religious tradition. So. The Western churches, as I go into in remorseless detail, even the Catholic Church, uh, Judaism. Uh, what's that? Too? They've gone woke. They, they've, they've, they've gone woke. They've, they've decided the point of Judaism. Wait, no, no, no. The point of Judaism is to go woke. Every Jewish person I know tells me that the point of Judaism is to go woke. That's the whole point of it. <laughs> Catholicism is social justice. Mm -hmm. And say as much. Like, yo. American Jews were a big part of the civil rights movement. American Jews were big in the gay rights movement. They've been woke the whole fucking time, Douglas. And good on them. Good on them. Church of England, Episcopalians, all these people have, have decided that they're going to do, they're going basically, they're going to give up God and they're going to go for woke. And um, that. And that's not very survivable, actually, I think, because it just turns the things that are meant to be the most profound sources of meaning on your society into just another banal repetition of the banal things that are, you get everywhere from an art gallery to, you know, cable news to everywhere else. It's just you also get it at church or a synagogue, you know. And um, so that, I mean, that's devastating in one way. But what makes it even more devastating is that this is happening simultaneously with an attack on the secular philosophical traditions of the West. Mm -hmm. Like uh, which? The tradition of Athens, the tradition of the Enlightenment. I mean, in the last few years, every philosopher of the Enlightenment, 
everyone has been brought down. But they dead, Douglas. They dead. None of them are here to suffer the cancellation. They've been dead for so long. By this crowd of anti-Westernists, anti-Westerners. Uh, they've done for Voltaire, who's actually, whose statues disappeared in Paris. They've come for David Hume, for John Stuart Mill, uh, for everyone. They exhume their bodies and fucking tweet mean about them and make them stare at a phone. Like, what are you talking about? And again, that's, that's because, as with the history thing, that's what you have to do if you want to destroy the West. In the same way that if you want to take down America, you have to take down the roots of America. You have to take down its heroes. You have to take down Lincoln. You've got to take down Jefferson. You've got to take, take down the gods of the Republic. If in Britain, you've got to take down Winston Churchill. That's why they go for him so bad. It's in the same way, if you want to destroy the tradition of reason in the West, you go for the figures who gave us the tradition of reason. But that's Every stupid. That's stupid. That's suggesting that skepticism or, or reason or even the Enlightenment was just a product of a few great men in every case who did it. And it wasn't like a thing that happened in society. The Enlightenment, and I'm sure that there's, you know, tons of problems with it, whatever, but the Enlightenment wasn't just like some philosophers sitting up on an ivory tower. It was a societal phenomena and all those people dead. So I guess we canceled all of them, but the, the, the parts of that, that we're going to move forward into history, moved forward into history with it, with the next generation of people and so on and so on. And some parts of that are going to get left behind. And eventually some parts of that are going to become outdated relics, problematic, even seem silly. And that's okay. That's the fucking time marches on. That's just the way it goes. Everybody from Aristotle, who the Washington Post a couple of years ago described as the grandfather of scientific racism, who among other Probably. things stood accused of being named by Charles Murray as his yeah. favorite philosopher. Yeah. So yeah. Two and, it, and this particular writer in the Washington Post was dis dis disturbed to find that Aristotle, writing 2,300 years ago, did not agree with everything the Washington Post says in 2020. That's a shocking discovery. It's Unbelievable horrific. realization. What, what are you going to do with these idiots, <laughs> Aristotle? God. Um, what did he know? Um, and it's the same with the philosophers of the Enlightenment. I mean, you could say that one of the reasons why the philosophers of the Enlightenment have been so attacked in recent years is because they were living in the time of the two original sins, slavery and empire. Yes. And that they, they stand accused now of not having spent enough time thinking about the same things that Ibrahim X. Kendi pretends to think mm -hmm. about. Wait, why does Ibrahim X. Kendi pretend well, to think about things? Know, David Hume was trying to... Why would someone just pretend to think about something? Wait, how do you even pretend you're thinking about something? As soon as you pretend you're thinking about something, you're, you're thinking about that thing, even by... Pre you can't pretend to think about something. Basically, superstition. Uh, writers like Voltaire were trying to separate out the church and the state. These are quite important tasks and important roles. Should but writers like Voltaire did not separate out the church and the state. <clears throat> In the United States, the 13 colonies of Britain, you know what separated the church and the state here? A fucking revolution. There wasn't no Voltaire. 
I don't I don't care how much you like him, dude. Wasn't no Voltaire. Major major changes happen because the fucking population of the of the world or the region wants to see those changes happen. Not because some fucking drunk guy on some drunk guy on on a metaphorical ivory tower gets to write a lot of shit down. Catered themselves to other things that we now call social justice, possibly, but they were busy with other things. Uh, probably not. You know, yeah. they were busy with other things, and uh, and again, there's just. But like, there were people walking the fucking planet talking about some of the things that we might call social justice now. It's just that most of those people didn't, I don't know, get to drink and write all day like uh, like the philosophers did. Presumption. I'm pretty sure that's so what I, was going on. I, say, I mean, I, I'm very keen to play the game back at them. Like uh, David Hume is, is attacked now because of one footnote in one of his essays, which is, is known by all Hume scholars and is, is racist, a uh, racist statement. Um, he's attacked for this one footnote. Kendi and others assault him for it. I think that's probably the only passage of Hume that Kendi's ever read. Uh, but, uh, you know, okay, let's do this with, with other people. Why, yeah. why um, who, 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 who might fall if you did this, if you said something racist once trick? Who else might fall? Well, here's one, Karl Marx. I go through in considerable yeah, yeah, detail. Yeah. Karl Marx's letters and his- Karl Marx was an anti-Semite. But a lot of communists are communists because they like communism. They're not like quoting Marx all the time, like these people quote Voltaire all the time. Essays are filled with racism, packed with it. He uses the N-word all over the place, usually hyphenated with Jew, not used in a very flattering light itself either. Mm. I mean, Marx was a horribly racist, anti-Semitic. Uh, um, I mean, yeah, you would have liked him then. Why? Why? Oh, you don't like him because he's. A com he, he's a communist. Very bigoted these, figure. These are qualities that Douglas Murray looks for in his friends, but it's, when it's Karl Marx, now it's bad. Our own modern standards should not be regarded as as uh, survivable. I, I actually don't Nobody's say that. Done the task on him. A new statue went up to Engels only a couple of years ago. A new statue to Marx went up. Yeah. Know, just uh, just a couple of years ago. Um, Maybe we shouldn't so be doing that. Only happened to these people. I think here in questions like that, you see the sources of what I'm what I'm what mm -hmm. I'm trying to get at here, which is that the war on the West is a war on all of the things we treasure, designed to leave behind only people who very very militant political activists want to leave standing as the only people with an explanation for our society. So this is sort of the same question that I asked you at the beginning in terms of why, why didn't our institutions have enough to stand up our secular institutions, but are you surprised that the religious institutions, whether you fully believe in them or not, that they didn't have better defenses? You would think that these things that have really lasted for thousands of years and have made mistakes along the way and wars have been fought and we can do that all thing, but that they, that every, you're not exaggerating when you talk about what's happening in the churches and the temples yeah. of America right now. I mean, they've traded in most of what we thought their beliefs were. And it's very, them, it's very strange because, I mean, it's, I agree with the historian of Christianity, a historian of the ancient world, um, Tom Holland, who, who has said in the past, you know, that actually Christianity, for instance, it should do the weird stuff. Like Wait, what makes Christianity extraordinary are the claims it makes about the world. Um, if it, the weird stuff, as Tom Holland calls it, you know, include, you know, the 
the virgin birth, the crucifixion, the resurrection. But this is, this is Christianity. Take them away and you haven't got Christianity. Mm. Insert in its place the same, as I say, banal things that you get everywhere else in the age. And you don't really have a religion. You've just got another iteration of the social justice movement. But I believe, I believe that weird stuff is absolutely <laughs> central. Um, fuck? I Judaism. fucking have no idea what he's talking about right now. It's the things he's trying, though. different from everything else that are the things that you'd want to hold on to. Not the stuff you'd give up yeah. and, and import this like crappy D'Angeloism. Like, why, why, why would you go from angels to D'Angelo? Yeah. Well, Robin D'Angelo is as good a place as any to uh, end the podcast part of the show. Unfortunately, for the people watching live, we are going to watch the rest of this on the other side here. Just about an hour and a half here. And I like to keep the pod under an hour and a half. Thanks, everybody, for hanging out this evening. Thank you, everybody listening on the podcast. If you want to hear the rest of this and would like to give me money, go to patreon.com slash echoplex. Uh, jump on at any level all summer and you'll get the uh, entire audio capture of this. You can listen to the rest of this while you mow the lawn or go for a jog or whatever. Also, if you uh, head on over to twitch.tv slash echoplex media, you can probably just find it there because it does keep most of the replays up for 14 days. Though sometimes I DJ and then I have to uh, delete the replay for copyright reasons. Um, anyway, go to the swag shop, echoplexmedia.com slash swag. And as usual, while I pour a drink and change the color of the lighting here, this is going to be boomers by Periscope. Thanks everybody. Once again, I will see all the live listeners on the flip side.
can't get enough Echoplex and want to keep the conversation going with the hosts and community when we're not live, then join our Discord server at discord.me slash Echoplex. We have text channels, voice channels, meme repositories, and a whole section of screenshots that we don't even remember where they came from. Come join the Now Space on Discord at discord.me slash Echoplex.